Today on Oxl FM, Jalada and I continue with our series of retrospective episodes, where we look back at game series to discuss its history and legacy. This time, we're traversing the lands of Tamriel with a deep dive into the Elder Scrolls games. Hello and welcome to the episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And we return today with another retrospective episode uh, mm-hmm. where we do a bit of a dive into the history of a game series or a franchise or something along those lines. And we talk about the the story thread that connects the games together. So mm-hmm. we've done a few of these in the past. We most recently did one on Counter-Strike which I really enjoyed doing uh, because mm-hmm. that one's sort of close to our hearts. But we've done all the ones on things like Borderlands and Warcraft, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some other ones we've done as well. Mm. And today we're doing a game series which on the surface seems relatively small, you know, in the grand scheme of the, mm-hmm. the length of the series has been running in terms of time, but is actually quite complicated and has been mm-hmm. all over the place. Uh, yep. And that's the Elder Scrolls series of games. Yeah. It's interesting because certainly my, my experience of Elder Scrolls primarily started with Oblivion, with mm-hmm. a little bit of Morrowind before that. But the Elder Scrolls has been around for a long time. It's been around since 1994. And it's very easy to overlook the early games. But when you do look at the early games, it paints a really interesting picture mm-hmm. when you look at it over that entire time, rather than just looking at it from morrowind onwards Mm. basically there's a very definitive split there i Mm. would say and we'll talk about that when we get to it and unlike in some instances where it was a gradual shift from one thing to another they almost feel like very different Mm. games or like a game series which sort of went dormant for a very long period of time then a new developer came along bought the ip and sort of did their own thing with it Mm. and that's not what's happened here. It was very much a shift in direction and uh, game design decisions and, well, trying to market the game as well. That was a mm. big part of the, the series too. But I think we're getting a bit of ahead of ourselves because mm. it's all easy enough to talk about, say, Morrowind onwards because they're the games people know about. But the game started with what you might consider to be quite humble beginnings, but also with a lot of ambition yeah right it started with elder scrolls arena and the goals of elder scrolls arena was to make a game bethesda wanted to make a game of the same scale as like a full-on dungeons and dragons kind Mm. of adventure like that was what they were inspired by at the time we're talking pre-3d acceleration so mm-hmm. it is 3D, but they're like doing it all themselves effectively. Like they're like building a whole software engine and like process for doing 3D. So there's like a mixture of 3D and 2D sprites. It's a, yeah, it's a DOS game. It's not a Windows game. Uh, it very much and, reminds me of the old like Windows Maze Runner yeah, screensaver right. in terms yeah. of its design, style of looking at things, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's quite like square, like everything is sort of, mm. you know, cubes in terms of like the the map layouts. It's very much, yeah, it's sort of like early like Doom and things like that as well, like that sort of style. Yeah. You've also got like a huge amount of the screen is taken up to user interface, 
right? Which was very common at the time. You know, mm. you've got this big kind of bar across the bottom for UI, which has got all kinds of stuff on it. And then you're sort of looking at the game through like a small, almost like a small window. Yes. Uh, that, that helps with performance as well <laughs> to have like a small area that you're actually rendering in 3D. I think what's interesting about that is that's more trying to still emulate that Dungeons and Dragons like tabletop role-playing style mm. where like the visuals of the game are like half of it is irrelevant in that yeah. it's mostly just there for set dressing rather than right. the actual form of the gameplay. Because right. one game series that we talked about when we were doing the research for this that makes me think of that in a similar vein is things like the the Neverwinter games and mm. things like Baldur's Gate, right? And that yeah. what you're seeing on the screen doesn't really matter because it's all being done by like dice rolls in the background. Now you yeah. can argue that that's the case for all games, right? At the end of the day, all games are just mm. ones and zeros behind everything. But like, it's almost just like a, a rough representation of what's happening realistically in the background, right. which is the the rolling of dice and percentages and stuff like that in the background. So do you hit the thing? Does the thing hit you, etc. Yeah. yeah, and it's sort of, a natural progression from things like interactive fiction as well, where mm. like you were, you know, interactive fiction, but with a little bit of user interface on top, you know, a little bit of graphics on top representing what, what the game is describing to you. And there was a lot of words and description in, in Elder Scrolls Arena. You know, it's a very wordy game, but it was also like very, very large scale. You know, mm. they had procedural, they had a lot of procedural generation for the for the terrain and the landscape and things like that. Like it was probably a larger scale than anything at the time, except maybe Elite, uh, from which is a little bit earlier, like ten years earlier. But yeah, like it was very much of that sort of like huge scale, uh lots of procedural generation, which obviously means that in by nowadays sort of standards it's very it could be quite bare or quite repetitive yeah very at copy the time, in a lot of places you know the idea of having this huge world in this in this game you know is a, is a big deal and yeah like it didn't it wasn't sort of like massively successful i mean like like it, it was reasonably successful but just like any game at the time like gaming still in its sort of like you know early stages at this at this point so yeah you know, nothing can be ridiculously successful um, unless it was a particularly well-known franchise by something mm. maybe like nintendo yeah or for example it was like a big breakout hit like something would be like doom mm. the only way you'd know about these games is either through like enthusiast magazines or like kind of probably it really like mm. and word of mouth because like internet advertising really wasn't a thing at this point especially for games and right so as a result of it the only people who would have known about this were already like reasonably hardcore gaming enthusiasts or people who are interested in role-playing and like you know the tabletop dungeon dragon mm. side of things right um which is why i think like it's got this cult following behind it of like people who say that this is sort of like the quintessential elder scrolls experience mm. yeah because there was a lot of complexity you know there's a lot of like in true kind of D D style you know there's loads of stats there's mm. like interesting mechanics around different classes and also like talking about the world again like it was the entire of tamriel yes right which now like subsequent games like skyrim you're only in skyrim but in yeah, in Elder Scrolls Arena, it, it yeah. Like the whole thing um, uh, and th that was yeah. very impressive because like you said going back to the, the comparison to something like elite in that although that was big because oh you have all these like you know star systems and galaxy to explore for the most part they were just all the same thing yeah like they were just like the numbers were tweaked to say this planet is like this big or that big whereas with Elder Scrolls Arena, 
each area had a unique feel to it. Like mm. they were still relatively bare, obviously, yeah. but they still like, you know, there were areas that were snowy or there were areas that were sort of like a more kind of like vibrant, lush areas. And some areas mm. were like deserty and stuff like that. And the, the game had a very good feeling. It, it, you felt like the world was quite a real place, like mm. that you would imagine in a role-playing setting, like a, a, right. like a tabletop role-playing setting. Exactly. And I think... You know, in some ways, maybe Elder Scrolls Arena was a little bit ahead of its time. And it yes, couldn't, they, yeah. you know, they, they couldn't quite really realize what they wanted with Elder Scrolls Arena. And I think that when they, it was only was then a couple of years later that they then released Daggerfall, mm. which is the second Elder Scrolls game. And they actually used, the, Bethesda were making like Terminator games, weren't they? Like licensed Terminator games. And they used like the same game engine for that they'd used for one of those on Daggerfall. Which is wonderful because like nowadays that's not uncommon to use the same game engine for loads of different things. But like back then, yeah. game engines were sort of like much smaller, thus like making like per, a new one wasn't necessarily... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, per, per game. game, right? So they've gone like, well, let's just save some time and money and use this Terminator thing. So yeah. you can thank the Terminator games for one of the most influential game series of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, like in Daggerfall, that was where, you know, the scale was dialed up even more than Elder Scrolls Arena and you started to get some of the mechanics that you would still then see in later Elder Scrolls games for quite a while you know mm. things like improving skills by using them right that's a very key Elder Scrolls thing and I remember when sort of in the marketing for Oblivion that was sort of like there's some stuff in those in the later Elder Scrolls games that you think is new and then you discover that it was actually from Daggerfall. Actually, these ideas you know, all the way back then, yeah. Like soul gems, for like capturing the souls of things to, to enchant items. That was added in Daggerfall. Like crafting custom potions and spells. That was in Daggerfall. And crafting custom potions and spells was still around in Oblivion a little bit and then was dropped fully in Skyrim. Yeah, and it's a much more watered-down version. Yeah. and Because, I mean, it that's was. complicated as it is, right? Like, right. even on the more simplified game that is Daggerfall by comparison to the later games, yeah. that's still really complicated to make work and to get all these oh, yeah. different systems interacting with each other without breaking 100%. the game. And it and broke it, the game. <laughs> it broke the game quite a lot, right? Like the like Daggerfall, I guess, is probably where... I don't know how buggy Elder Scrolls Arena was, but Daggerfall was buggy. And so kind of starting the tradition of Elder Scrolls games being <laughs> full of bugs, I guess. Like, that's not new, guys. Like, they've been doing that since 1996. And yeah, it was like... I guess it like try it was trying to be you know almost like a fantasy life simulator. I think that was yeah, kind of what they wanted yeah. with Arena and and you know continued to try with Daggerfall. Um, you know you've got literally life size cities, you know, full of buildings. Again, lots of procedural generation to achieve these mm. things. Um, I think if I remember rightly, I, I saw met, saw something mentioned that. Daggerfall was like held the record for the largest seamless world for the next 10 years like it was so like it was that big mm. yeah like a, a big city in Daggerfall was the size of like what you would expect a real city to be mm. like and it would take like an hour or two to go across it yeah you know if you want to walk from side to side and I suppose as a selling point that's really cool right it's like, oh these cities are huge and yeah. you know it would take you like a real in you know a real world month to walk across this entire yeah. game but in reality, there's a lot of nothing. And yeah. what there is, is also a lot of copy-paste or procedural yeah. generation where yeah. stuff either looks weird or wrong or doesn't work properly, etc. So 
it's very much to me so when i think of daggerfall after having said because in fairness i hold my hands but i haven't played daggerfall mm. but when i see it being played to me this is very much a like you say a role-playing simulator rather mm. than a role-playing game yeah exactly it also had like very very complex and sophisticated like conversation systems mm. and i think like even the quests were procedural as well there was just so much right there's so much sort of content admittedly mostly procedural kind of crammed into this game it's very much a case of the people who made it had like these big ideas that they want to accomplish mm. but the technology was definitely not present for them but what's ironic is the fact that like as the technology gets better it's almost impossible to implement these scale of ideas nowadays without it just yeah. becoming this bloated mess which we can see in certain games that we talked about before i'm thinking of games like say star citizen is a good mm. example of that like they've got these grand ideas and grand designs for this really immersive game but like as the technology gets much more expensive to mm. make and to keep active and to work well with each other these sorts of grand ideas just become very untenable to be able to manage into a game so all, it's ironic yeah. how like they were constrained by the technology of the time but now the technology of the time constrains ideas yeah agreed like now you can't like in some ways some of these things were easier to achieve back yeah, then because yeah. the technology was simpler and so there was just things you know it yeah it, it, it made things easier to do because there was less to kind of worry about but with with today's tech yeah there's like the visual i think primarily like the graphics right like the visual expectations yes. of a game is so much higher and that adds so much fidelity that you need to take into account that you can kind of get away with when everything is like sprites or like four polygons kind of thing yeah like, the, a lot these games about. rely as much on your ability to imagine what things right. are and look like rather than just simply showing you them right and the suspension of disbelief in something like daggerfall is very important and that's why i think there's so much fun to be had in it if you can just sort of like immerse yourself mm. in the idea of like living this fantasy life rather than playing a role-playing game mm. and i think that you know we, we'll get on tomorrow and in a minute but i think like the sort of signpost towards it morrowind is sort of a reflection of like them realizing maybe that you can't just keep selling large procedurally generated worlds because also that party trick kind of gets old mm. and doesn't you know doesn't work forever because you can't just keep getting bigger procedural random worlds look at like no man's sky right from yes. the, and the sort of early days no man's sky where you've got all this procedural generation but nothing to do it's still as unimpressive in a way as it, like it doesn't get more impressive just because you have more of it right yes, it's sort of yeah. like it always is going to stay there's just the natural result of algorithmically generated content is that it will just feel the same it's very it's, mm -hmm. it's almost impossible really to make it feel diverse compared to like actually crafting um, stories and and worlds and environments and although they they definitely did a good job with daggerfall and the people who made it were very proud of it obviously and they'd feel like they'd really accomplish what they wanted to accomplish the studio itself was still trying to do something new and different right and they as a result made two spin-off games at the same mm. time and they i feel, feel like they released roughly in the same sort of time period as each other so. and there was two different teams working on them yes, yes and you can almost feel the difference between the two games and the design philosophies of the old style of the mm. studio and the new style that was coming up yeah the first one was with um battlespire was yep. it what was it called legacy battlespire or legends battlespire or something I'm like not that 100, i'm not 100 sure actually and this is 
still somewhat in the form of Daggerfall in that it was yeah. like a role-playing game and you could choose your character and you could sort of like spec yourself into that sort of different skills and etc. Very much what we think of when we think of an Elder Scrolls game, right? But it was in a much smaller area. So yeah. it was a very like custom-made, tailored area rather yeah. than being pure procedural generation because I think it was in like a like a Daedric Oblivion realm, wasn't it? If I yeah, this is the first time that you're introduced to Oblivion, actually, which then, you know, features obviously very prominently in Oblivion, in Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is sort of where you start to see that the Daedric realms have like society and characters in them. And, you know, you're you're doing quests with Daedric, you know, people and beasts mm. and, and princes and things yeah they're like not that. just generic demon bad guys to kill no. like they like they were, might have been in the previous games they they have a culture and they have mm. you know infighting amongst themselves and etc they're not they're not just outright evil like there yeah. is complexity there and i think that was always kind of part of the lore of elder scrolls that's one of the things that sort of from a from a um, story perspective has always been fairly unique in that you have got these you know daedric um princes or whatever that are like there to cause trouble right like they're 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 not necessarily inherently evil it's more that they're like up to no good yeah with the the normal world so to speak of tamriel and i don't want to spend too long on these ones because these are mm. smaller smaller titles but i feel it's really interesting how battlespire is almost like the the condensing of a lot of these big ideas into a much more solid package mm. and one of the things that you talked about when we we're doing the research which i think is, is quite interesting to talk about is how this is almost a game which showcases the more unique art style and yes. uh, and uh design aesthetic yeah. of the elder scrolls games like things look a bit weird like almost like lovecraftian-esque yeah. and kind of gross looking in places you know there was a lot of yeah especially with those early games it's a good point we haven't talked about it like the art style was quite unique like i can't remember the name of the guy but there was like a particular artist at bethesda and that was really their vision you know for mm. this sort of like not necessarily super traditional sort of orcs medieval and, you know yeah, medieval orcs style and fantasy exactly like there was some of that obviously but at the same time especially with the the thing the sort of like beasts of of oblivion and, and things like that like they were definitely kind of weird uh and yeah like that was definitely sort of woven into the elder scrolls very much and you're right like battle spy really kind of is showcasing that unfortunately it didn't do too well um mm. as a result of several problems one was like it was almost doomed by its own ideas in the sense that it wasn't anywhere as big or as grand yeah. as daggerfall so people were like oh it's obviously worse then which in hindsight is probably quite a flawed idea but i can see why that would have impacted its sales yeah but then on a more like objective sense it was a bit buggy it, yeah it didn't play too well like it was a bit like unfun to play in some ways mm. um some of the mechanics didn't really make any sense and the gameplay was a bit samey because it was very combat orientated yeah. so a lot of people were much more interested in the more sort of like the life simulator style of things like the role yeah. play simulator style that wasn't really here so as a result of it it didn't do too well but it wasn't horrendous mm. you also had the other spin-off was redguard um which couldn't have been much more different <laughs> yeah completely different this is like an action adventure game in mm. fact it might as well have not been an elder scrolls game in a way and i think that probably is why it also didn't do that well in that 
it felt a little bit like they were cashing in on Elder Scrolls and yeah, it could it feels have been like a it. generic pirate game because it was that it was like pirate themed. It was a proper kind of action adventure. It was very bright. It had a much larger team than the previous Elder Scrolls game and they had much more budget. You know, there was voice acting, there was 3D acceleration. And this is also where Todd Howard comes into the picture. And Todd mm. Howard is very well known for, you know, and sort of really is the face of the Elder Scrolls from this point onwards, you know, from, from sort of Morrowind onwards, really becomes the the face of the Elder Scrolls. And, you know, there's, you can really, it's really interesting that Redguard is so different to the other mm. Elder Scrolls games. Yes, it's very um, like a cutback action adventure yeah. game. And there's very little in the way of like traditional role-playing, role-playing. elements into it, exactly. uh, which is a shame, but... There are some good elements to it, too. Like, I like the fact that it's got this more streamlined and this more created content to it. Like, mm. there's much more of a direction involved in the game. I like the the change of aesthetic in a way to reflect the more upbeat and, like, action-orientated vibe. Mm. But, again, maybe it doesn't really fit within the Elder Scrolls series games as they were then, at least, anyway. Mm. Um, and... Unfortunately, it did even worse. <laughs> mm. It sold very poorly. Um, it wasn't super fun to play, honestly. Like, it was pretty boring to play. Like, a lot of the production elements of the game was pretty bad. Like, the voice acting was horrendously terrible. Like, to the sense that like it sounds like Microsoft Sam half the mm. time, yeah. even though it wasn't. Like, the, it was relatively nice looking but when you compare because it 96 i think this came out right yeah. is that right yeah when you compare it to some of the games that came out in 96 it looks pretty terrible and you can tell for they they just they're going up against a skill barrier here and maybe a money barrier which they couldn't quite overcome and mm. they probably painted themselves into a corner again by having the elder scrolls name on it if it was something it was if it was a a standalone smaller title yeah. then it probably would have done better or at least received better results of critics yeah definitely um and this kind of meant that bethesda wasn't really doing very well like these games hadn't been very successful and i think like the sort of the history is a little bit from what we could find the history is a little bit hazy but there is this founding of Zenimax uh where uh, as as sort of to replace the other parent company that, that was the parent company of Bethesda and they used Zenimax as a sort of parent company to raise some funding and mm-hmm. really give Bethesda a little bit of of leverage and a little bit of freedom to to sort of keep going you know took away centralized a lot of the kind of running of the business into Zenimax and Zenimax you know goes off and does other things and like publishes other games and stuff Mm. like that Um, and so Bethesda was really kind of left and Morrowind was really the last chance it was sort of a little bit like the Final Fantasy of the Elder Scrolls if you like um, where it was like okay this is the last one that you know either this goes well or we're done with the Elder Scrolls basically um, so Morrowind, Morrowind is really now where you start to see this this shift in sort of basically you see Todd Howard's influence. So Todd yeah. Howard is very known for wanting to streamline, wanting yeah. to streamline game mechanics, wanting to streamline you know the way that things are made, basically by just critically and it's a very good way of do, of doing things sort of critically question why anything is there yeah. so looking at yeah, anything yeah. from daggerfall and going why do we need that why do we need um custom spells do we need all of these stats yeah. do we need yeah, yeah. this huge open world 
And so Morrowind was very, it was still, you know, it was, um, it was very technically impressive, but it was obviously much, much smaller than Daggerfall. Mm, and mm. it was very, very, very condensed that I think like there's sort of areas on the map where you can sort of turn and look and see two cities in the, in the yes, you know, like, yeah. like adjacent to each other kind of thing. Uh, and this is, this is two, this is a two pronged reason for this is one mm. is the direction of someone like Todd Howard, who had a much more creative control over the game now that mm. he was one of only a few people working on the game as a whole. He's said in interviews many times, it's like more a case of like, what can we take away and streamline rather than right. what can we add? Yeah. Which I think given the fact that, that this technology is becoming more and more expensive to make content for is probably right. not a bad idea. Exactly. Um, and that yeah. shows even more so later on in, in, the, in the next games with Oblivion and Skyrim. Because if you tried to do the same things you did in, say, for example, Daggerfall in these engines, you would be there forever making these yeah. games. So although it's like a shame that so much of the more interesting, intricate and in-depth features of some of the older Elder Scrolls games are missing, as a result, of it, you get a much more playable game right. in a more condensed world, which feels more fun to play. Yeah, exactly. You're sort of really looking at like, you're looking at le- less as like a passion projects fantasy life simulator and more like how can we make a successful game right and that's really the focus the the way the way the focus changed with morrowinds and yeah like i mean it was hugely successful there was an xbox release as well which was bound to have you know made a huge difference there were two expansions for it as well tribunal and blood moon and yeah it was just extremely successful still very buggy uh yeah (laughs) you know like lots of weird quirks um and yeah lots of simplified stuff you know there was no climbing anymore which was a thing in daggerfall that you know they simplified a lot of the stuff around speech and conversation interesting to me is that like they removed things like climbing because you know it was a little bit extraneous they didn't want to sort of like you know have the headache of trying to make that work well within the game engine but then they allowed you to like jump the space of a mountain Mm. if you like made the game yeah do that for we without like we weren't breaking anything you weren't like you know modding anything that was just sort of built into the game mechanics yeah like so the, like, that was kind of funny spells yeah and so yeah it was like this is really a, a you know it was a successful final fantasy in that yeah. you know it, it did really well and so that kind of i guess cemented this idea for elder scrolls of you know streamlining becoming more action a little bit more action focused a little bit less fantasy life simulator and more like you know, more of like a traditional kind of action RPG sort of style, but still fairly, you know, still fairly deep, you know, rooted in that sort of D&D style, especially for the time. This Um, was also the last game which saw that more creepy art style to it as well like right. the areas of morrowind i forget that is it aaron aaron fell something like mm, that the areas like that. Are, they, are genuinely sort of like gross looking because it's very swampy right. most of the time you've, you've got, got those, those like the weird striders, striders. Yeah. yeah exactly you know everything still looks a bit otherworldly at this point and right this is very much the last time we see this in an elder scrolls game like from oblivion onwards the games become much more cookie cutter fantasy looking i guess you could say mm. um even the more interesting things like the daedric stuff within oblivion become a lot more just generic like hell looking yeah. rather than like weirdly otherworldly yeah exactly and yeah like oblivion oblivion is where things are really starting to like scale up from like a sort of popularity and you know this is no longer a cult thing this is very much a like mainstream very mm. popular series 
you know, that effectively in a lot of people's minds, myself included, kind of starts with Morrowind, right? Yes, like, yeah. you, like this is now, in a way, you could almost say it's a different series. Yeah, I, I would argue probably is really. It's, it's other such than a huge influence change. influence from the old yeah, games exactly. in some of the design decisions. Exactly. And with Oblivion, I think another key thing is that Oblivion led on Xbox 360, right? Yeah. This is a console game first, and that's a huge change from the original games, which are very PC-focused. You yeah, know, when you think yeah, about yeah. the user interface and all of this kind of thing, and this is sort of the era of the bad port from console to PC as well. So, you know, it's definitely a challenging time for games that were originally PC games to move to console as a, as a core focus. Um, there's a lot of technical constraints there, mm. um, which really affect things and, and really constrain your, you know, your thinking and what you can and can't do. Um, and definitely moves to a very traditional art style um, because this is now set in Cyrodiil, um, which is probably, which is like the most greeny, leafy sort of, you know, traditional yeah. looking place in all of Tamriel. It's also the um, most human area as yeah. well. You could call like traditionally human looking places. So you don't have the weird designs of many of the other races within the Tamriel yeah, continent. Exactly. Uh, you now start to see some really interesting and creative sort of streamlining around things like character creation. One of the great things about Oblivion is that you try loads of stuff when you're in the sort of opening prison you know, like trying to climb mm. out of the prison and the sewers. And then the game at the end suggests what class you should be based on what you seem to use yeah, a lot of. It's a little bit like ham-fisted in the way it does it by modern standards. Yeah. But it's still quite a clever way of doing it. Like it, throughout the quote-unquote tutorial section of the mm. game, it gives you access to at least one of every style of yeah. combat. Yeah. And then it goes, well, how did you prefer at the end of it? Because then after you've been given the last access to certain elements of the game it has like a small little combat arena that you can kind of tackle however you want and yeah as a result of it the game sort of like chooses for you sort of like we think this is how you want to play yeah but it doesn't force that onto you either i no. actually quite like that like you can really make your own oh, character because yeah. i remember you you chose like lesser skills and greater skills right yeah. where like the greater skills were how you leveled up and the lesser skills were one that you just sort of got bonuses into That's and stuff right. like that yeah, exactly. And it still had that, like, using skills levels you up. Like, that's still there from Daggerfall. Like, you're still keeping that in. Like, using skills, you get better at them, which is very unique for, you know, very unusual um, in an RPG. And I think, again, like, we're still we're seeing lots of streamlining going on here. Um, it's actually, it's a lot bigger than Morrowind because the sort yeah. of technical, you know, you've now seen that shift. Morrowind was a real shift from sort of, like, if you think about graphical style and technical style, there was a big shift in in sort of 3D quality, but the issue was the scale. And Oblivion was a, was of an era where you could really start to scale up these 3D worlds into mm -hmm. much larger areas uh, to sort of moving back towards those kind of earlier games. Mm. So it was much bigger than Morrowind. I think it was twice the size of Morrowind. Um, What's ironic, however, is that as a result of some of the processing power or lack thereof of things like 360, one of the things that did have to take a hit was NPC count. Yes. So as a result did. of it, even though you had these very big grand areas, they felt quite empty for of life. Mm. They did. They did. And there was there was they used sort of procedural generation to generate the terrain, but then they crafted a lot of things by hand as well. So yes, sort of yeah. trying to overcome the issues with those with you know arena and daggerfall. 
here also was where again thinking about streamlining they sort of removed the dice rolling of the combat yes it became more more kinetic rather than rather than more algorithmic based exactly and so now when you're you know you swing your sword and if it hits the thing that you swing it at then it hits there's no sort of like oh you missed just because the game decided that you missed there was sort of some really interesting i think anyway oblivion and maybe this is because i followed it so much you know there was some interesting technical achievements in oblivion things like um the scaling mechanic Right. So again, sort of, I guess, streamlining and trying to get more accessible, more action adventure. There was a basically the whole world leveled around you the Mm. whole time so that the game was always a challenge. Now, this had some weird side effects. Like at the end of the game, you would come across bandits that would have like the best glass armor in the game. (laughs) And whereas at the start they had like little leather armor and things like that, like it definitely had its flaws, but it was an interesting technique. Yeah, it was the kind of thing where you can see the idea that they were going with and what they wanted to try and achieve, but the implementation didn't work because as a result of it, yeah, most of the game was challenging for, for all of it rather than you know, you becoming too overpowered for most of the areas at the end. But you also meant that you didn't feel like you'd grown all that much in yeah, power. You were still struggling definitely. to kill basic bandits in some instances. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, they also had the concept of radiant AI, um, which was a huge, <laughs> a huge kind of like high point and largely like, I think, achieved what it want, what they wanted it to achieve mm. um, in some ways better than maybe better than, than Skyrim in that, it was a lot more about sort of like the NPCs were given goals to do and then they worked their own, they worked out a way to get there. Like it was less yeah. kind of hard coded, less scripted and more sort of like more sort of organic, like shopkeepers would like wake up and open their shop and like, they were just like, they would have to, the AI would like work out how to get there and what to do. And yeah, stuff yeah. Like and that. if there's anything in the way of that, they, then they would try and negotiate that. Yeah. Maybe if they came across someone who they would interact with, they would stop and talk to them on yeah. their way to work or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Um, but it didn't have a, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of depth. So as a result, you ended up with a lot of repetition. And again, mm-hmm. sort of coming back to those early problems with procedural generation, you know, seeing it in the AI a little bit. You could purchase houses in Oblivion. Like there was, you yeah. know, there was, there was a decent amount of stuff. It was, it was very focused on being a lot more accessible, accessible to the console market. And one of the other things, sort of biggest influences that Oblivion had really was around DLC. Mm. You know, we can't talk about Oblivion and not talk about the fact that they almost invented cosmetic DLC. Yeah, for sure. This is like 2006. This is still reasonably early days of the internet. Like most houses still didn't have broadband, at least in the here in the UK. And so getting this DLC wasn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a game that does this sort of like built in natively on a console was still reasonably unheard of. Yeah. And so you paid something like £2.64 for some horse armor and the <laughs> man, armor. the gaming community was in uproar about this oh, idea man. of paying money for something How that was a cosmetic we like it's um, it's crazy to think how different the world is now and mm. and bethesda and oblivion kind of started it all um yeah there was like whole news articles in magazines yep. and everything about the scandalousness that is you're making us pay money for some yeah. armor for a horse this is ridiculous now like companies don't think twice about charging you 15 quid for some like you know cosmetic packs in Fortnite. Yeah, like skins and loot boxes yeah. and all of that kind of thing like people were like this will never take catch on 
you know, people mm-hmm. were like, this is the death of Beth- like this will ruin things for Bethesda. Like, or, you know, it'll it, it'll never work. Like people really did genuinely believe that this was not a good thing and was not going to be a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, completely wrong, obviously. Um, there were some bigger expansions as well, like Knights of the Nine and Shivering Isles. They were um, both really good as well. Like, I want to put that out there. Like, although we, we didn't really touch on the expansions for Morrowind very much, and mm. I don't think there are any expansions for Daggerfall, if I remember rightly. No, uh, um, they were smaller, and they were okay, but they added some nice content. But the, the expansion packs for Oblivion were, like, genuinely really nice, big mm. chunky pieces of content yeah exactly um but again you are definitely seeing a a trend towards sort of you know traditional western rpg aesthetic shivering isles a bit less so but still just generally with oblivion you're sort of really it is just the continuation of sort of todd howard's influence effectively mm. and mm. where you really see that is with skyrim Yes, absolutely. Skyrim was very much the game for the masses, and mm. it always was to begin with. Like, yeah. gone are the roots of its sort of like quite nerdy tabletop role playing yeah. history. Yeah. And here is the big action set pieces of pure escapist fantasy. Exactly. It also probably helped that it came out like about the same time as Game of Thrones started airing on TV. Mm, uh, very good point. Yeah. You know, hugely sort of like, huge parallels there. It was like, this was like, like the zeitgeist right skyrim skyrim was part of was an influence of and was influenced by the kind of current zeitgeist yeah everyone had dark gritty fantasy yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly and you know skyrim opens with this with a long kind of cinematic there's some forced camera for like the first time in the Mm. whole series like you have to look at things like that's how it that's what skyrim is all about right it's very cinematic it's much more focused on playing the game rather than like role-playing a character um and what's interesting is that we didn't really touch on it but oblivion's focus was very much on the main story plot right mm, like it was you were this prisoner who would the emperor decided who was going to be this savior of of their realm and trying to fight off the the invasion of the forces of oblivion etc and the game almost like tried to keep you on that track for the most part there were side quests you could do obviously Mm. but for the most part like the game was focused around you fulfilling these objectives skyrim kind of was the opposite in a lot of ways like the main storyline was pretty like weak because like there were Mm. two there were two elements of there was you becoming the dragonborn basically and sort of fighting off alduin the sort of the big bad and then there was like the sort of side main story quest of like the the civil war going on within the skyrim Mm. region but for the most part both of those were very backseating a lot of the time Mm. and you were very much encouraged to do what you want when you wanted Mm. which sort of makes sense from a more casual audience who just wants to bimble about a lot Mm. yeah agreed i mean oblivion had that as well in that you've got the guilds and you know there's sort Mm. of the the game doesn't try too hard to push you on the main story especially early on but yeah like the main story is a big part of 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 oblivion and as a decent part of skyrim as well but you're right that they're sort of like a little bit weak i think like yeah the game is much more sandboxy much more simplified you know there's no classes you can just Mm. be great at anything um oblivion was similar in that you could kind of be good at anything um but it's super like in Skyrim, it's like everyone is a dual wielding melee and yeah. and magic, right? Like, which is, is it's a weird thing, right? Because I like the fact that you then get access to all the game's content, right? Because mm. one of the problems with certain games like that is that, like, oh, I'm going to be a magic user. Well, right. you're now not seeing quite a lot of content from the melee side of things, or the mm. range combat side of things, or the sneaky side of things, etc. 
But then on the flip side of that, you also don't get to feel like you're good at any one particular thing then. And you have less of a character defining, well, less of a defined character, Mm. Um, you know. So, yeah, but I guess that ties in with the fact that, like, you are the one. You are, like, the mythical dragonborn of legend. But then is it just you that can do this or is it every single banded NPC you see, you know, Mm. like, yeah. It very much feels like high power fantasy of like everyone is a badass. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, we're still, you know, we're now moving so far away from that sort of weird and wonderful Lovecraftian quirky Mm. kind of aesthetic. You know, there isn't really anything around kind of Oblivion and Daedra and stuff like that in Skyrim. It's really much more, I mean, there is a little bit, but you know, it's much more focused on fringes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's much more focused on sort of traditional um, Western kind of RPG style stuff. I think one of the interesting things we didn't touch on too much with Oblivion either that mm. I think Skyrim is a good parallel to is how Skyrim's a lot more nice to look at, mm, but it's yes. more muted. Like yes. there's a lot more darkness and grey right. and brown. Exactly. Which is interesting because that's more similar to Morrowind, whereas Oblivion was very bright and radiant. Yes. Although in some cases too much so because yeah. I mean we didn't touch on it in the, oh, yeah, the, in the like, Oblivion section. Bloom. But the bloom effect was is such a it's how I see Oblivion in my mind. Like, yeah. I think of Oblivion. I think glowing. of like, a, a, a glowing guard's face shouting at yeah. me, you know, going, yeah. stop, you've broken the law. It was, you know? yeah, hilarious. And he looks done. like he's like got a huge light inside his head glaring yeah. at me. It's it's such a unique look to it. It's like, it's not good. And no. It probably wasn't intentional, but it does give it a very specific aesthetic. Whereas it is. Skyrim has less of a design aesthetic that is immediately like rem- memorable. Mm. Definitely. It's not, it's nothing specific, right? It could be any RPG with, mm. you know, sort of Norse RPG style kind of game with dragons. The other, this sort of ends the kind of like main series, right? But there is also the Elder Scrolls MMO, um, mm. which is worth talking about. You know, it's, it's actually in terms of sort of like total players, I think it's top 10 total players of all, you know, of, of, of MMOs, you know, it's mm. up there with World of Warcraft and, you know, RuneScape and, 14 and you stuff. know, those kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely up there. You know, you, you, you need to, it can't be dismissed too much. And it actually started production just after Oblivion. Like yeah. they, WoW was so massively, you know, was sort of massively successful around the time Oblivion came out. And so they, you know, unsurprisingly looked at it and went, we should definitely get a slice of that pie. pie, That's what everyone else thought. And also Zenimax were big in MMOs. You know, they had Dark Age of Camelot. Um, Mm. You know, in fact, the Morrowind used the Dark Age of Camelot game engine. Like it was was using an MMO game engine for its game. So yeah, Zenimax were big in MMOs. And so, yeah, they started to build the Elder Scrolls MMO. Initially, it didn't do very well right? It launched in 2014. It was very buggy. It had a lot of instancing issues. And just, I remember generally it was just not considered very good. I think what's Um, interesting is that like it came out in 2014 and was trying to copy WoW of like 2004. Right. right? So it was already outdated by the time it came out. Mm. And it was against other very popular MMOs of the day, like more modern WoW, but also Mm. things like Guild Wars. Yeah. Guild Wars 2, sorry, in fact, you know, which were doing the same thing, but a lot better. Yeah. And as a result of it, it just felt like this quite unplayable, unfun, obvious cash grab to try and like go, hey, it's an Elder Scrolls game, but you can go anywhere yeah you know it was also at that tricky time for mmos where there was still 
buy the game and the subscription and things were starting to move away from that and so actually a year later they launched tamriel unlimited where they changed loads of stuff it launched on consoles and they took away the subscriptions so there's no subscriptions it's just a flat or like you can get started in the game without paying any kind of subscription. Yeah, so you or like buy add-on. the game base and then you can just play. But then if you want to like pay for premium stuff, you yeah. can, but it doesn't stop you from playing the game exactly. outright. And honestly, for me, this is why the game has done so well because mm. having it be very easy to play on consoles, making it... Because, I mean, mm. there aren't that many... We've talked about this in previous episodes, actually, yeah. about MMOs. There aren't that many good console-based MMOs. No. And you could say something like Destiny is probably the closest good, yeah. good online MMO for a uh, for mm. a console. But Elder Scrolls Online is, is quite good mm. for a console game. It feels really fun to play. Yep. The controls are simple enough that you can do them without worrying too much about having a zillion hotkey combinations yep. on your controller. Well, you it know. sort of really draws inspiration from Oblivion and Skyrim in that regard. Yeah. You know, it does feel like an Elder Scrolls game. You know, when you play it, it doesn't feel like a you know, it doesn't feel like WoW with an Elder Scrolls skin. You know, no, it feels no. like an Elder Scrolls game that happens to be an MMO. It does sort of suffer, I guess, in that regard in that, you know, there's lots of other people wandering around. So like, the world sort of feels a bit odd, just like it does in any MMO. Yeah, when you're sort because of you're the chosen people. one, but yet there's about three other chosen ones walking alongside you at any one time. Exactly. And, you know, it has like, I think it has classes, right? The Elder Scrolls Online, and you mm-hmm. know, it it sort of does add a little bit more traditional role playing back. To yeah, it. there's a lot more role play in it in the sense that, like, you choose a job role, and you mm. have like you know your tanks, your DPS, your healers. You know, you have professions for things like you know smithing and fishing and stuff like that. Mm. So it does have that more traditional MMO vibe to it than the standalone single player mm. games like Skyrim or Oblivion do. So I. I don't think it's the best MMO in the world, but I actually think it's quite a good, solid one. And if Mm. you enjoy the Elder Scrolls universe, it's a fantastic way of exploring it because they've had a long time to sort of like slowly drip feed in more content for the different areas. So you're able to revisit Morrowind, revisit Daggerfall, visit areas that we've never seen before, like um, Elsewhere, I think it's called, is it Elsewhere, Elsewhere. where the the Khajiit people live, Mm. you know you're able to get a much more like in-depth experience of the the lore of it mm. more. So this is almost a good opportunity if you're like quite into the more role-play fancy aspects of the Elder Scrolls series. Mm. Definitely. And I think like that's where we're at now, right? Like we've got Skyrim, which continues to be re-released on every yeah. platform as like a I mean, it's what, like 11 cut. years old now, I think nearly directors 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 cut um <laughs> and you've got the elder scrolls mmo and we've got in theory we have the elder scrolls 6 somewhere in the pipeline we don't we know very little about it and i think when i sort of look at this history this history of the elder scrolls going all the way back to arena and where we are now it's it's really interesting to look at that thread especially that point where things change with morrowind and mm. i think a lot of people who are fans of elder scrolls you know, and sort of really deeply into it, look fairly disparaging on the more recent Elder Scrolls games. Yes, like yeah, Oblivion, almost like babied Skyrim. versions. They're very babied versions. People are sort of, you know, Todd Howard, I think, is very Marmite in the sense that, you mm. know, yeah, he he's really taken a lot of what made the early Elder Scrolls games the Elder Scrolls and turned it into this generic kind of Western RPG that anyone can approach and, and play. Mm. But it's hard to argue with the success, 
right? Yeah. It's hard to argue with the commercial success that is Todd Howard taking what was a series that was going to disappear into nothingness and turn yeah. it into something that is one of the most successful games of all time. Um, and I think and to, he's at least had the foresight of going, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. What, you, what you did in Daggerfall was very impressive, but it isn't sustainable. Yeah. We need to make it A, more appealing to a wider audience, but B, make it so it's going to work on more modern technology. Mm. And yeah, I can, in a perfect world, it'd be lovely to have Daggerfall, but in the Skyrim engine or better, mm. right? But it just it, it's just not, it would just turn into an ever-developed game that would never stop yeah. being made. Um, exactly. You know, and, as a result of it, you do have a, a, a fun game. Like Skyrim has its flaws, don't get me wrong, but it's mm. a really fun game to sit and play and anyone can really play it for the most mm. part. And mm. as a result, that's why it's so popular. Exactly. I think personally, I think that it is a shame that it feels like Elder Scrolls has lost a lot of its distinctive art style. You know, yes, now absolutely. when I think about playing Oblivion and I, and I especially like the Shivering Isles expansion and stuff like that, I sort of think, yeah, it does quite stand out the sort of, even then, even in its muted form, it quite stands out that this isn't a traditional kind of RPG style. You yeah. know, there is some weird and wonderful kind of stuff in here. Um, but even then, it was on its way out and you yeah, know, really yeah, yeah. has gone with Skyrim. Um, so that does feel like a shame. I've, I feel like I would like to see more of a return to that and like be more ambitious I would like to see the Elder Scrolls be more ambitious about their art style and their aesthetic, mm. you know, shake off Skyrim a little bit and go back a little bit to what the Elder Scrolls, mm. you know, yeah, the sort of the weirder, style of the Elder Scrolls. More adventurous. Exactly. Because otherwise they are at the point, at this point where it's, there's not really anything significant about it yeah. that can't be done elsewhere and can't be done, frankly, by much smaller scale studios, you know, and better. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot, it's, it's a lot easier now, relatively speaking, to make an open world, you know, RPG that's, you know, got quests and, you know, is, is, a, is a sort of bit of a sandbox. You know, there's a, that's a lot more easy, a lot easier to do now. Um, that's evidenced by the fact that the game series, and we haven't really touched on it throughout the discussion, is a very moddable game. Mm. And there is a very, very strong modding community surrounding these games. And in a way, they are almost now relied upon to create not just like new mm. wonderful content, but also fixes. Yes. And to make the game a more playable state, which is such a shame. Yeah, and it's interesting and I think we'll there's a there's definitely a future episode there because the modding in Elder Scrolls is as you say a lot about fixing the game and it feels like Bethesda have never really truly embraced the modding community in quite the same way that maybe Valve have embraced the mm, modding agreed. community for for things like Half-Life in that yeah it's like yeah please fix our game after it comes yeah. out you know i had yeah, yeah. so many mods for oblivion things like yeah. <laughs> you know the the menus like because the menus were designed for consoles and tvs and i had the first mod that you installed was like the one that made the menu actually like use up your whole screen on a pc yeah. you know and with a much more font size. with a mouse yeah yeah like so many things to, to like f i had i must have had you know 10 20 mods in oblivion that didn't even really change the game it just like fixed things about the game yeah and made you it know. more playable more enjoyable etc and that just goes to speak of the fact that like this small group of modders who are doing it almost certainly for free maybe having small donations at best mm. can make these for fantastic because i mean they're not even just like fixing the game but they're also like creating these like huge standalone expansions there like are yeah there recreating are. areas of tamriel in like, the skyrim huge, engine or um, adding new yeah. quest lines and stuff like that like so i would say if if 
these people can do that, you maybe need to tone your game scale down and make it a Mm -hmm. more, I don't know, just just a more condensed, fun version of the core game you want to tell and maybe, or maybe do something different. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I I think... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of I'm cautiously appreh- I'm quite apprehensive about the Elder Scrolls Six because Agreed. I it's really difficult to I mean you know it feels like they've got a challenge ahead you know Skyrim yeah. was hugely successful but not necessarily for what makes the Elder Scrolls the Elder Scrolls it feels mm. like it was successful for not the wrong reasons because that's that's very that's a you know very subjective thing to say but agreed it, yeah. it doesn't feel like it was successful because it's the elder scrolls it feels like it was successful because it was not the elder a scrolls really fun <laughs> action adventure role-playing game yeah. yeah and it's like what do you do do you do you carry on down that commercial success and make a you know sort of assassin's creed style and like keep making yeah, the game that, yeah, that yeah. works or do you actually say no we have like a vision of you know we we want the elder scrolls to remain true to what it is at the risk of not being successful i don't i don't mm. know that that sort of feels that feels like a challenge i'm glad i'm not having to <laughs> to solve and i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens because mm. for all the flaws and bugs that a lot of bethesda games have because we haven't really even talked about the fallout side of things mm. because they have a, quite a close like relationship yeah. between those two games and everything like they're still fun to play yeah of course and if you can kind of ignore some of the more game-breaking elements of bugs that do eventually get patched most of the time, mm. you know, you can sink a lot of hours into these games. Oh, yeah. And it's easy, like you say, to sort of like decry them as now being like, oh, they're too casual. Mm, they're still yeah. good games. And yeah, I'm still 100%. looking forward to seeing what they're going to make next. Mm. And I'm sure we will cover it in a future episode. Yeah, absolutely. You know, before then, you can give us some, if you have any sort of thoughts if you think that we were right or wrong about the elder scrolls or any ideas about what you think elder scrolls 6 is gonna be like or any stories to tell about the game you know these games when you played them um then let us know uh you can email us show at octal.fm or tweet us at octal.fm on twitter or facebook us on facebook.com forward slash octal.fm and yeah, and if will... anyone fancies buying us that fancy horse armor from Oblivion that neither is still owned to this day, then we would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah. I wonder if you can, you can't possibly still buy that. Surely be, they... well, it'd be funny if you could. Like, if surely you could log if they give it away Xbox for free. 360 Microsoft, but uh, like m- marketplace and buy it now. That'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> I don't know, even know if Oblivion like still play. I guess it still plays <laughs> on, on modern PCs. I have no idea. I haven't tried. Um, but yeah, and we will no doubt be covering, you know, news and updates about Elder Scrolls 6, whenever that may be. Whenever, um, yeah. But until then, don't hold your breath. And before then, we'll, there'll be more Oxal FM. And uh, I've been Gelada. And I've been Severin. And catch us again for another episode of Oxal FM, much sooner than the Elder Scrolls 6. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> watch them like outdoers now. Yeah, watch oh, it come God, out guess next what? Week. Just, just despite these two podcasters, here's the Elder Scrolls Six. Yeah, we if we do, if we now keep this one on the backlog for a few months to, before we release it, and the Elder Scrolls Six, we'll have to be quick. <laughs> <laughs>